In this episode, Richard Steele is interviewed. Dick is the founder and chairman of Peaker Services located in Brighton, Michigan. Dick discusses his Deming journey, including his approach to eliminating performance appraisals and engaging employees. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt, host of the Deming Institute podcast. Today, Dick Steele chairman of Peaker Services and member of the Board of Trustees for the Deming Institute is our guest. Welcome, Dick. Well, thank you. Thank you. Love to be here today. So the first question I, I'm going to ask is, is, can you share a little bit about Peaker Services, what you do, maybe a little bit of history about it so you get an idea of uh, the business that, that you're in? Well, I, I started Peaker Services back in 1971. Uh, we were the proverbial um, two-car garage, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what we started in uh, the, first, the first year. We, uh, at that point, serviced broken diesel generators that the utility company here in Detroit, Detroit Edison, operated. They were about two and a half megawatt diesel generators, and we would keep those things running. And that, that was the start. And that same diesel engine goes into a locomotive. So we quickly expanded into doing the, the same work on the locomotives that Detroit Edison operated. Today, is that in essence the same types of things that you do for the railroad industry? Did we do that for the railroad industry? Uh, the, the peaking side of it kind of morphed into a controls business where we now design, uh, operating systems so that different types of power generating equipment can work together. So you can take different brands of diesel engines or you can take a diesel engine and a steam turbine and get them to share load and work as, as one system. So, so how did you come across the Deming philosophy? At some point, my mother told me to read a book called The Reckoning. And The Reckoning was about Toyota and Ford. Mm-hmm. And there was a chapter in there on Deming. And there was a statement that Deming had made in there that said, if you don't get the top person to understand the philosophy, don't waste your time. And it wasn't more than a week after I finished that book that something came across my desk that was a Deming four-day seminar going to be held in Washington, D.C. And we were just going through a process of reorganizing the company using the help of a University of Michigan MBA grad telling us how we should have this pyramid structure. And we had just anointed somebody our director of quality control. So with that little statement from Deming in, in the back of my mind, I said, well, the two of us will go to this seminar just to humor this old man. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and so we did. And like I said, I've, I've made other mistakes too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, 
you know, one of one of my hot buttons was performance appraisals. Mm. I was doing performance appraisals on a very good friends of mine that were in the company. I was best man in one one of the guy's weddings, and I was doing performance appraisals on him. Mm. And that just, I mean, I was literally sick uh, during the year when when we had to do those things. And so I was uh, I was very much aware that uh, that I'd like to change that. And I'd been to class after class on how to do performance appraisals better. <laughs> okay. And they just were not working. And when I got to the Deming Portage seminar, he said, Well just quit it. It's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I bought into that. And so you quit it? We we quit it. We you know, there was a four and a half day seminar. I think it was over uh it was Tuesday to Friday as far as I remember. And on Monday we I came back and uh we used to have what we call Monday morning meetings where we gathered the whole company just talk about what's happening for the week. And this particular Monday morning, I said, uh, you know, went to this seminar and we're not going to have performance appraisals anymore. And the cheer went up, you know, with the group. <laughs> hey, yay. And then all of a sudden somebody said, well, wait a minute, how am I going to get my bonus? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. <laughs> Great story. So you really went, you went cold turkey with uh, getting rid of performance appraisals. And I know that there are organizations that have done that, uh, but not many that, that, that went out there and just said, oh, that's it. I'm, I'm done with it. How, how many employees did you have at the time, Dick? At that time, we were probably 50, 50 to 60. This was back in 1988. Okay. Okay. So it was, it was a while ago, and we still don't have performance appraisals, but <laughs> and and what was the reaction? Not only you, you gave me the reaction of your employees, but what was the reaction of maybe some of your peers uh, when you did that? Uh, you, you know, when you just all of a sudden get rid of performance appraisals, did they think you were crazy, or what was the reaction? Yeah, yeah. yeah that that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they didn't they didn't understand that because you know it wasn't common sense mm. at at that time. Sure. And I'm, I'm not sure I'd do that same way again, you know, with with kind of hitting everybody cold like that. But I didn't I didn't know any better at the time. What would you have done differently? So, pardon? What would you have done differently? Well, I might try and have people understand why that might not be a good idea to have performance appraisals. Okay. Now nobody liked them, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But and we had really screwed up the pay system at the, at that point because of uh, performance appraisals. We had a, a wide disparity of of wages, and and that just was not going to continue. I didn't know what was going to happen with that, so it, it came at a very good time for eliminating that. Okay. Now, one of the other things I did right about the same time is I got the audio of the four day seminar, split the company into thirds, and everybody listened to four days in audio. Now, that could be cruel and unusual punishment, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'd do that again either. But at least people knew that it was this was serious. There was something something here. So you had them th- sit through just the audio portion of the four day. Just the okay. audio. Just yeah. the audio. I'm ashamed to say it. Okay. But yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering how the how how the, the red beat experiment <laughs> played out in people's heads, you know, in an audio like that. Uh, you, you know, you just you lose so much in the mm-hmm. audio mm-hmm. Uh, for things like the red bead. Right. But you you can still you can you can get a feel of it. Now you know, having seen it live, uh, I can go through it 
you know, in my own head. Sure. And and it's just clear as clear as the dickens. Uh, it's hard to do a uh, a red beet experiment and not be Dr. Deming. I mean that he he just did it so well mm-hmm. that um, you know that's still the that's still the gold standard for me. You mentioned the challenge of the performance appraisal and the fact that you might have done things a bit differently. Um, what were some of the other challenges that you had uh, imp- implementing a Deming philosophy in your organization over the years? Well, one thing was uh, understanding it. Coming off a four-day seminar is certainly not enough. And so I, I you know, went ahead and read Out of the Crisis, and I think it's Chapter 16 in Out of the Crisis. It talks about getting a director of statistical methodology on on staff. And um, the four-day seminar that I went to gave you know, the Out of the Crisis as one book, and then uh, Bill Schirkenbach's Little Red Book. Okay. And um, so I said, okay, I need a director of statistics and methodology. Uh, maybe I can call Bill Schirkenbach. See if he wants to leave Ford <laughs> <laughs> and and come to Peaker Services. Uh huh. This is this is this is uh, this is my naive period, I think. Okay. But uh, anyway, I I did talk to Bill. Bill came out to the shop with his kid. Fortunately, his kid liked trains. So he came out and, you know, we went, took a look at trains and things like that. But he gave me a name of Bill Kraft. It was a, a guy that had worked for uh, Bill Schirkenbach. Okay. And, uh, and Dr. Deming knew Bill Kraft very well also. Bill and I spent Sunday mornings at 7.30 at a waffle shop in Ann Arbor going over the new economics and out of the crisis and coming up with policies and procedures for the company for five years. We met every Sunday morning wow. with very, very few times off trying to, trying to understand this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was, that was, a, that was an amazing time when you're trying different things and trying to understand this stuff all at the same time. So, so Bill was well enough. Uh, versed in this that he was able to kind of guide you through some of the things that, that you know, going from your naive period, as you uh, uh, called it, uh, and kind of helped you through, here's what we mean by this, so you just didn't go out and, like, cease reliance on inspection type of thing and, and eliminate all your inspectors or do something like that. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Bill and I were learning it together, too, I think. You know, he had a pretty good idea. Okay. But... um and I did mention one time, because Dr. Deming used to come to all of our Deming study group meetings in Detroit, I mentioned that I had um, I had hired Bill Kraft, as, and he was just part-time. Mm-hmm. We did it after after his normal four times and weekends. But I told him that we, we added Bill as our director of statistical methodology, and he says, oh, he says, where did you get that term? And I said, well, actually, I got it from your book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it was a bad choice of words. <laughs> really? Okay. And I said, you mean because he does so much more than statistics? He says, exactly. And that's that was the big thing. But I, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. He didn't like his own words. <laughs> but that was his learning. He sure. just he kept learning. 
That's interesting. So as a, if I was a customer of peak peaker services back at that time, and you're going through that five year period, what would I have seen as a uh, railroad uh, that, that, that had hired you? What, what would have been different for me over that five years? Directly. If, if, uh, if the person could not have talked to any of the individuals or anything like that, I doubt if they would have seen anything. Okay. Our, our quality going into this was exceptional. Okay. I think. Okay. But we spent a lot of time making exceptional quality too. Okay. So it, it was never a quality issue for us. So you would put in the time or whatever you needed to do to make it right, but, but maybe what was happening behind the scenes was costs were going down because you weren't having to do it six times in order to make it a right. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, going into this, you know, before Dr. Deming, we had, uh, we had some of the, elements in place we didn't we you know we're a we're a uh, kind of a job shop and we we never had time clocks mm. we never started off with time clocks well you know when we started off there were only three of us and you know we didn't have time for time clocks and things like that i i made out all the checks so we we paid people once a month right in the middle of the month paid two weeks behind and two weeks ahead okay because i didn't have time to make out you know weekly checks or or every other week, something like that. Okay. We always shared profit and loss data from, from day one. We'd have annual meetings where we would go on camping trips in northern Michigan. Mm. And then we'd have a business meeting, uh, you know, over the campfire. So, you know, these were, these were people that I, I knew very well. And we, we, we did things correctly. And we had a lot of help. Good. Uh, so, it, so you started into this. What, you, what about what year was it, uh, Dick, that you you started into uh, using the Deming philosophy when you came back from the seminar and everything? About what year was? Well, that, that was 1988. Okay, that was so September of 1988. September of 1988. So you had about yeah. 50 or so employees then. Uh, what uh, Peaker Services now? What is it today? And and uh, you know, are they still actively involved using the Deming philosophy? Oh, very much so. Yeah, okay. yeah. Maybe even maybe more so. You know, the 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 president is Ian Bradbury, Doctor Bradbury. Okay. Uh, and he he is he worked very closely with Deming at at General Motors. Oh, okay. And, and so how many? Yeah, and actually, that that is why he's the president. Ian and I went to the same you know the study group when when Deming was was here, and I heard Ian present several times. And as I you know, was looking at at a transition. Uh, I asked Ian if he would um, if he would like to come and be president. Unfortunately, he said yes. Well, that's great. And then you had somebody that was actually even more steep then into the Deming philosophy coming into your company and and helping grow it from there. Well, railroad industry certainly has been uh, going fairly well <laughs> over the years. Yeah. So yeah. You know, in a discussion you and I had not not long ago, you were you mentioned to me that that a good question to ask as far as uh, episodes would be what what did you change that you cannot measure in an organization and 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 what why, what's the significance of that particular question to you? I think that is what separates Deming, uh, the Deming philosophy, really from. The tool philosophy, the lean six sigma and, and that sort of thing. I, I, th I think that's very important to have that psychology part of, of Deming. 
and and that that's a standalone. Okay. And if I was in a, if I'm an organization out there, you know, wondering, okay, what does that mean? You know, what what things are measured? What might what types of things uh, are unmeasurable uh, in your mind, but very important? Well, um, as we were talking earlier, uh, you know, we eliminated the performance appraisals. Hmm. You'll you'll never know what that does. Okay. We did institute a a scholarship program where that everybody in the company has a, a reoccurring seven thousand dollars scholarship every year to use pretty much as they wish. It's it's one of those I uh, one of those benefits you know for the company. Okay. And one of the other things that's that's very interesting I think is if. If an employee has an idea for an improvement, he is pre-authorized to spend $2,500 of company money oh, wow. to, to make that improvement. Okay. And, you know, now, now that just doesn't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. But somebody will talk to somebody else in the group. There's, you know, group discussions and that sort of thing. And, and they will come up. They'll buy a piece of welding equipment. And and they they have it pretty well justified in their own mind before they go out and spend the money. Yes. So and that happens. I I go over to the shop probably only a couple times a month now. But the you know the, the, there's new stuff all over the place, and it's it's just really exciting to see the guys who made it themselves or or you know have come up with it anyway. That's that. Okay. Well, those those things are immeasurable, and yet you see as you go back in the actual improvements themselves, and the and the and the outputs of those particular things. Um, yeah, you can see them. I yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know how much money they'll save or anything like that. But right. People are engaged. Sure. Um. So that that's actually a good segue into uh if if I were a CEO of an organization today and, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, we've tried about everything. Everything seems to, uh, I might get a little improvement from some of the improve, the improvement programs that I, I've done over the years, but you know, I'm not really haven't had any breakthrough performance. You know, it just seems to be, you know, redoing the same thing. What types of recommendations you might you have for uh, a CEO, uh, president of an organization uh, in getting involved with the, the Deming philosophy? What kind of path might, might they follow? Primarily what I would offer are questions to ask. Okay. You know, why do you, why do you think this is a good policy and that sort of thing? Okay. What, what, do you, what are you doing to ensure that you're going to be a business you know, what is your educational plan for in your training plan? Go through the 14 points. Okay. Okay. I, my last question that, that I ask everyone, is there anything that you wish I would have asked or anything you'd like to give uh, clarification on? Uh, maybe some of the answers that you gave earlier. Well, there's a lot of other policy things that we've done mm-hmm. in the company, like how we got our pay system. Okay. I think is, is key. We, we had a group of, I think there were eight of us, and we worked in a consensus mode uh, for three years to come up with how we're going to pay uh, individuals within the company. Okay. And we had the we had the help at one time of uh, Peter Schulte. Oh, okay. Um, he volunteered some some time over over the phone to uh, to give us a hand with it. 
So the things like that, the bonus programs, how we came up with that, we we did it as, as a collaborative uh, effort. And I I think that's key to the whole thing is, you know, different individuals were uh, were very much part of the process the entire way. All employees were engaged then, basically, at, at some level. They were all given the opportunity okay. to be engaged. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, and yeah. it sounds like most of them took it. Well, yes. You know, here again, you have variation, so there's uh, there's plus and minuses. Sure. Um, I think if if you went over there today and decided that you're going to have a a performance appraisal system, you might have half the guys wanting to do that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, this, this whole philosophy doesn't happen in, I don't know if it happens in a generation, mm. um, because of so many influences in society that are just, uh, just do it the other way. You know, all these grades in school, people get used to that. Mm. And this is, this is their feedback system. Well, there's other ways of getting feedback. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're cultural. They're they're uh, embedded into into the culture, the American culture, anyway, for sure. It, it very much is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're swimming upstream. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, Dick Steele, we we appreciate your sharing your time today, and uh, we look forward to uh, future conversations with you. That'll be a lot of fun. Very good. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Drew. Bye now. Hi, this is Trip Abbott announcing the 21st annual International Deming Research Seminar where you can see and hear the latest applications of Dr. W. Edwards Deming's philosophy. The 2015 Research Seminar will be held in Washington, D.C., March 23rd and 24th at the Georgetown University Conference Center. Join us to hear innovative new approaches and directions being tested by others to enhance operations, build trust, foster leadership, promote commerce, create ethical business cultures, and sustain success. Register for the event at the Deming.org website. I hope to see you there.